Hello and welcome to another episode of the Principal Liner Notes podcast. It is season six. This is, I believe, episode 172, 73. I don't know, but either way, I have just spent the probably the better part of the last 45 minutes before I press record <laughs> with my friend Evan Whitehead. And we just went down an incredible, incredible series of rabbit holes and conversations. And so I am... I am, I am, I'm pumped, Evan. I don't know about you, man. All right, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. We, 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 we had our warm up, and I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah, that was that. That was not only a warm up. That was like that was a workout. <laughs> <laughs> that was a workout. Well, anyway, uh, I'm grateful that you're here, and uh, for for those that are tuning in, I want to thank you of all the podcasts that are out there. You press play or download. And uh, for season six uh, of the Principal Liner Notes podcast, I've got all kinds of connected conversations on the horizon. And I'm in very grateful, speaking of connected conversations, to, to engage in a connected conversation with Evan Whitehead. Evan is a transformational leader. He is a coach. He is an educator. He is a speaker. He is a consultant. Most importantly, he is a motivational force. And, and I was very honored and uh, and grateful to be on the receiving end of of that therapeutic motion of uh, motivational force. Uh, his day job, uh, amongst all those things, is is that he is the executive director of the is it the Fort Therapeutic Day Forte. School Forte. 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 The Forte Therapeutic uh, Day School in in Illinois, and and he has he has built a program. Uh, that is human-centered and student-centered in terms of providing dignity and quality of life for our AU students and families. Uh, he is also the founder of Balance Boundaries and Breaks, and and uh, I got to tell you, this is this has just been a treat so far, Evan. So welcome to the Principal Liner Notes Podcast. Man, thanks for having me on, brother. I I, I just want to say to you and give you your flowers, right? Because I want people to get receive things in the present, like. You know, I have been following you for quite some time on social media, um, listening to your podcast, um, seeing the connections you made with guests and, 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 and the powerful impact you've had on education and bringing it, you know, through music and finding that 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 interconnectedness. And, and you are my friend, you are a connector of people um, that 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 is your gift. Um, you know, we all have our gifts and we all have our superpowers and, um, you know, seeing you from afar, following your content, and then now having some great conversations with you. You are a connector of people and you get it. And for me, you know, I believe that um, as educators, we are in the business of people first and foremost, right? We are in the business of human beings. And um, those of us that um, uh, really perform well in our field, they get it, right? They get it. Um, and you know, those that don't, it's a challenge because at the end of the day, right, it's human beings and it's human behavior and understanding the needs of human beings so that, um, everyone can feel, um, supported, uh, feel respected, uh, be treated with dignity and, um, being able to be the best human being they, they possibly can. So I just want to thank you for everything that you do. Oh man. I appreciate that, Evan. You, uh, you got right to my heart, man, and uh, I'm I'm grateful for that. And I know, uh, in the course of our conversation, um, we're gonna we're gonna make all kinds of of connections and um, and interactions. So I'm I'm grateful for that. So, um, to start off with, 
for those that aren't familiar with uh, the work that you do with balance, boundaries, and breaks. I love the three Bs. I have followed your story. Um, and we'll talk about your your chapter contribution to Because of a Teacher. Um, so so let's start there. Um, sure. And as, as, as an entry point. Sure. So, um, you know, my journey and especially becoming a mental health advocate is based on lived experiences. Um, you know, uh, for me, I got to a point in my life where um, basically everything came to a head, you know, um, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, you know, physically um, and, you know, professionally. Um, and I was getting pulled and drained from a lot of a lot of places. And, you know, I was trying to maintain um, the best that I could, you know, over years, you know, and eventually came to a point where I couldn't. Um, the coping strategies that I knew and I was using uh, were not sustainable and that they were not healthy. Um, and they were just short term fixes. Right. Um, and eventually got to a point where um, I reached my lowest um, and I reached my bottom and um, mentally, um, you know, I had, I had to, had to take a break, had to stop. And um, it was, it was a godsend. It really was because, you know, um, the universe always speaks to us and whether or not we want to listen, you know, every time, you know, it will nudge us it'll push us, it'll pull us. And then sometimes it'll smack you down because you don't listen. And that is the way that I interpret what happened to me because the universe was telling me to listen to myself, to my body, to my mind, to my emotions. And I ignored it um, for far too long because I was more concerned about others and others view of me and what I should be doing instead of worrying about myself. And I got to a point where, you know, I had to um, get a lot of professional help, you know, um, got therapy and treatment and, and, and really had a chance to work on me and work on, you know, many of the underlying issues um, that I've had in my life, you know, from trauma, um, from being a survivor of trauma, um, just, you know, a lot of things in terms of my own, you know, undiagnosed uh, mental health challenges, um, you know, that I didn't find out to adulthood. Um, and just a lot of just like um, really true lack of understanding the self, right? And, and then because everything steams from understanding the self, and then it goes to understanding and, and, and being able to know about like, self-reflection which is a skill right and then um, self-acceptance and then you know self-evaluation and then ultimately self-esteem and that's where a lot of things came from because i didn't have that and while i was going through treatment and therapy and program you know these three themes kept coming to me and they kept popping up and the first one was was balance right it was like balance balance you know what the heck is balance balance and you know, as I was going through things, I was learning and there was a lot, of, a lot of talk was going on about things. And I realized that I was an extremist, Sean. Um, I, it was either all or nothing for me and everything that I did, whether it was healthy or unhealthy. Right. And I lacked um, the ability to have things in balance or to find 
um, a sense of balance um, as well. And that was through my life. You know, um, if I was the best teacher, I was going to be the best teacher I could. If I was going to be the best administrator, the best administrator I could, best father, student, et cetera. You know, also, if I was doing other things, I was going to be the best no matter what. And that was an extremist. I never found what I soon learned about having a middle path. Right. There was no middle path for me. And I realized that, wow, you know, as much as you want to push and strive for greatness, you got to find where that area is, that sweet spot. Right. So that's where the balance came in. I lacked it. Couldn't find it. Didn't have it. You know, um, so what I learned is that balance really doesn't exist, but balance is really more about um, equity. And in terms of equity of your time, energy, efforts, and resources, um, and where you put it and when you put it, because we're nothing's ever going to be equal. That doesn't exist, right? It's impossible to do that. But balance truly is, is about the equity. Um, so that's the first B. And the boundaries was, I learned that for me, um, I had a hard time saying no. Yeah. I had a hard time implementing and and staying with and, and adhering to my own personal boundaries. Why? Because I had a lot a lot of um, guilt, um, you know, a lot of shame that was put upon me. Um, you know, a lot of um, allowing others to manipulate me emotionally. This includes family and friends, because um, it happens to the best of us, and um, also work. You know, where I where I couldn't say no, I felt that I had to help everybody. Right. And I realized I was living my life, putting everybody before me. Right. And I was trying to be everything for everybody. And that is impossible to do. And I was losing the sight of helping myself and helping Evan because I thought like, that's that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give of myself. I'm supposed to give more to people. And I would expect that to come back, which is the letdown, right? I was putting more into people, you know, than I was putting to myself and I was giving them more credit and assuming that other people would be the same way that I would be. And that was, that was an issue. Um, my uncle, um, who just passed away um, last year, the end of last year, always had a saying that he was always clever everyone he was the oldest of my of my mother's um siblings there were seven of them and he his favorite his favorite line was assume nothing hmm. always said assume nothing and hmm. you know we do that a lot right we assume that if i'm going to help someone else someone out they're going to help me out in the same way at the same time well if i'm a giving person other people are going to do that too and then we let ourselves down so for me you know, putting the boundary in, right? And, you know, saying, well, no, I'm not going to take on this other class as an extra duty. No, I'm not going to be the sponsor of the third club that you asked me to be a sponsor of. No, I can't go and uh, work on this project that is looming because you all decided you didn't think it was important till I started working here. No, I can't do that. No, I can't drop everything and go run to um, do other things for other people and forget about my own nuclear family, right? My children, my wife, et cetera. So that was the boundaries, right? Putting in place and adhering to those boundaries, learning to say no, 
giving myself permission to say no and knowing that 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 that, that doesn't mean I'm a bad person, you know. And the last one are the breaks. Um, you know, I always felt as though I needed to play catch up. Right. And that was a self-esteem issue. That was an issue feeling that I wasn't worthy. Like, you know, I had to catch up with my peers, whether it was education, whether it was family, whether whatever it was. And once I started working and, you know, especially for those of us in education, right? We work, 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 right? Even when we have time off, what are we doing? We're going, we're taking additional classes, we're studying, we're doing this, we're always feeling we gotta do more. Um, and then when I got, in, got into leadership, you know, it was it was 10 times that amount because, you know, you know, now it's 12 months out of the year. And also you're always planning ahead for the next year. And then, you know, there's always this idea of that, like, you know, I think that there's a misnomer in terms of servant leadership, that that means that you are supposed to give everything to yourself, to everyone else, but nothing to yourself, right? And that's, that's not true, right? The servant leadership comes in, in terms of philosophically, you understand that your work right and what you do you're not bigger than anyone else right you're actually part of everything and because you have been anointed a certain level of responsibility right you are there to support but you're no bigger than anyone else you know and for me you know i'll talk a little bit about that later when we talk about um, forte academy but um for me i you know it was tough for me to do that so i didn't do anything about it like I wouldn't take sick days when I was sick right we all push through I got to push through you know I stopped taking vacations right um, because I would work work and work and work some more and then you know I got to a point like I realized I had fast-tracked so many things in my life in my education in my profession I never had a chance to actually pause and smell the roses I never got a chance to appreciate the things that I did and I accomplished, right? All the things that I was doing to fill myself up, I never got a chance to enjoy it. You know, I never got a chance to enjoy it. And so, um, you know, understanding that it's important to pause, right? And um, that's when I started practicing mindfulness probably about five years ago, because um, I realized that, you know, I was always moving at the speed of light, whether physically or mentally or emotionally. And I needed to learn to pause and be present. Right. And just be. So that so understand that the third B is the breaks. That's the pause, you know, taking time out in your life, in your day. Right. Um, like for the most part, I would, you know. I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a hypothesis that 90% of educators don't take lunch during the school day. They either, <laughs> right. They, they, they work through their lunch and they pretend to take a lunch where they may, they may pack something or grab something, but they're still working and they're never fully taking the entire time for their lunch and just pause and, and stop doing what they're doing. So their mind, their body, and their emotions can just relax and recharge. And so it's about that. It's about, it's about doing that. And so, um, you know, understand the importance of taking time out for yourself and being present and doing that for whatever time of the day it is. That's, that's the third B. And then it is a little bit of a double entendre because, um, you know, with, 
the three B's, B being actually being present and just to be. So those are the three B's that I have, you know, worked to implement in my life. I'm not perfect, right? I always use those as my foundation to go back um, to remind myself. Um, I've been blessed, you know, my whole thing was, I never wanted another educator to ever have to go through what I did in terms of their career. So that's why I speak to them. I'm vulnerable. I tell my story. I share about that and talk about the three B's. Um, all I wanted is to spread, you know, the information about that. And I was very fortunate, you know, it, it, it actually got to some, some mainstream folks and um, they, they, they started following it, you know, some, some entertainers and, and things of that nature. And they were sharing it with some other folks, um, you know, the likes of like Mary J. Blige and Kelly Rowland start learning learn about my three B's through, um, through one of the current recording artists, uh, uh, Sweetie. She, she, she implemented my three B's and spoke to it on many social media platforms, interviews in People Magazine, um, you know, uh, et cetera, like so many just I, I just, I was just blessed because I didn't think about that. I was just putting my message out there and I, and I, I, you know, I didn't care who heard it as long as someone heard it. And to, to you know, to hear and feel when that is then being um, talked about to folks that I would probably never meet in person but knowing that they believe the importance of my three B's, my balance, boundaries, and breaks, um, that is that is what the universe and the higher power really wanted to happen. So I'm just blessed for that as well. That's that's beautiful, Evan. And you know, one of the things that um, that really struck me in in all of that is as I'm as I'm listening to you share share this pathway and share your journey and your pathway. And we talked about this before before we hit record. Is it? It, it, it kind of sounds like to me like the, the the balance boundaries and breaks is is an absolute response or the kryptonite against against one of the you know the, the trigger that is imposter syndrome. Yes, and 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 in education, uh, you know whether it doesn't matter what your title, what, what have you, that is an elephant in the room. It is the horde of elephants um, in 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 the room, and and you know I I, I battle it, I I fight against it. Um, so so in, I guess let's contextualize imposter syndrome because you write about it so so powerfully and eloquently in uh, in the chapter that you contributed to Volume One of of because of a teacher. This is the the curated book came out a couple of years ago from George Coros. And uh, that's actually what what led me to you, and thank uh, you, and and your work, and uh, and becoming a fan. Um, but I know imposter syndrome is something that that is that has been talked about in in in, in kind of mainstream circles um, the last few years, and but but not in my my observation, not so much in education. No, know? no, no. I you know I think. Um, there's a couple of reasons for that. Okay. Um, first and foremost is that, you know, especially those of us like in, that are in education or in the business of, of serving and, and helping people, right. Um, we want to have the perceptional image of knowing everything and being all knowing and being all powerful and, and having all the answers. Right. Um, because we feel as though if we don't, right. Um, we, we won't be validated. And people won't take us seriously in what we do. 
Um, so especially in education, right? Um, you know, as a teacher, right? The for a lot of folks, um, the mindset that they have, or either that they that was learned through their educational practices or experiences as a student, is that the teacher's all knowing. Right. And they have to have all the answers because they are in front of the class or, or within the class. Right. Providing information. But that's not the case. Right. The, the true purpose of a teacher. Right. Is more of providing guidance and a structure so that um, students. Right. Have the ability to learn and providing tidbits of information and, and, and making sure that they can navigate through roadblocks and understand some things and giving more of um, knowledge or either um, you know lived experience to help them do so. But it's not about knowing everything. And, but unfortunately, that's still the way in which a lot of uh, educators look at themselves is that they have to know everything. They need all the answers. And, and I think really what you know, I, I publicly talk about, but, and privately, you know, most folks in administration will say is that they suffer from imposter syndrome too, right? Because here's the reality. Um, no one goes into administration or leadership like their first time having leadership and administrative experience. Right. So there's no way that you can absolutely know what you're supposed to do and have all the answers. You can take all the courses you want. You can get your 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 degree in ed leadership, administration, organizational leadership, what have you, you know, whatever it is. But until you're actually like in the job and in the seat, like then you understand, because even if you're doing an internship or your practicum, right, it's still it's still a controlled environment. Right. And it's not like it's not true. Like so basically, I always say this is that until that. Um, your day starts, you walk into your office or your building and you have like, you know, a, a ton of messages on your phone and your cell phone is getting a lot of text messages you haven't looked at. And someone's telling you that, you know, either one, um, the, the washrooms aren't working, um, the buses aren't running. Right. Or there's something wrong with the power or the phone's out or the technology is not working. Right. You really haven't experienced the first day or being what it's like to be in leadership. Right. In education, because now everything goes out the window. Right. Um, you know, like I think I think it was Mike Tyson that said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. That's <laughs> it's like for us in education. That's kind of what it is in leadership. Right. You think that you that you have it all planned out and, you know, but like until like, you know, you have the science fair and all of a sudden you're like you don't have three judges or the spelling bee and like one of the judges is out or like, you know, if you are having, um, you know, an award ceremony. Right. And then your keynote speaker can't make it right. There's just so many little things that come up. But all of a sudden there are those are curveballs that are unexpected. You don't really know. And and, the, and for me. Um, that I see the, the 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 pitfall and downfall of the imposter syndrome for leaders is that um, we're not demonstrating the ability to be honest, right? Because imposter syndrome is really like being um, dishonest, and you're not telling the truth, right? Because you are putting up putting on this mask, right? You're doing all these things to pretend you know everything, and that's not the case. In actuality, right, 
what we should be doing is being vulnerable mm. to demonstrate that we don't know everything, but we're willing to learn, yeah. right? And we want to learn. And because that's actually the philosophy that we want in our classrooms for our students, right? Yes. And so, so the way that I, you know, I'm going to segue this is that for me and my organization, first and foremost, I always tell everybody that walks in the door, whether they're a parent, whether they're a student, um, you know, whether they're a, a, a new employee, um, what have you, is that um, we are a learning space. First and foremost, we are a learning space for all human beings, hmm. uh, big or little, whether we're students or we're adults, right? And, um, you know, in order for it to be a learning space, right, it has to be safe, psych physically, psychologically, and emotionally, hmm. right? It has to be a safe space. Why? Because if you want to learn, you have to be able to take risks, and, and right. And, and if you want and to take risks, you have to be safe and feel safe to do so. Right. Because part of taking risks and part of taking learning is that you're going to make mistakes. And if people don't feel comfortable and don't feel safe to take risks and make mistakes, they're never going to learn anything. They won't grow. So for me, if we as leaders, right, um, are either not in an environment that is supportive where we feel safe or we're not creating the culture yeah. for us to be safe and for others to be safe, then it's going to be hard for us to be vulnerable. But there's some things that we can control and some things we can't. But the one thing we can control is to say, okay, you know what? At some point in time, I want to be authentic. I want to be true to myself and I want to demonstrate and model that. And so I'm going to have to be vulnerable and the vulnerability is okay, especially in leadership, because now you're demonstrating and modeling exactly what you want to happen in your classroom with your students. And I tell people all the time in my, in my organization, I don't know everything. I'm not going to pretend to know everything. Like even when for me, you know, my undergrad was in special ed, but my area was not the area that I'm working in now, right? The area I work in now is working with students with autism and intellectual disabilities. That's not that was not my area of expertise, but I'm learning and I and I'm open to learn and I'm a sponge. And this is to me, Sean, is when this is to me, I've always thought about creating a PLC, a professional learning community in an organic sense, because that's what it is, where everyone, you strip the titles away, you strip the roles away, and everyone's there to learn from each other, regardless of what it is. And then, yes, I know there's data points and, and, and talking about data, et cetera, but the culture has to be in place for that. And we as leaders are the ones that actually can control what we do by demonstrating that. So yes, to do that. And that's the vulnerability part that I think that's important that helps and to create um, organizations where we can remove some of that with the um, imposter syndrome. We can do some of those things. Um, and that's a big thing. And we don't wanna show that we don't know anything, but it's okay. It's okay. Absolutely. It, it uh so eloquent and so powerful uh, in terms of framing that. Uh, the the other thing with imposter syndrome too, um, and, and just in the research and reading and reflection I've done over the years, um, you know, with this, because I battle it 
I battle it head on is, is, and, and this may, this may take a little bit from your uncle in terms of assuming nothing, nothing. And maybe, and maybe, maybe instead of the word assume, uh, I'm going to use the word believe mm -hmm. and, and believe that everyone yeah. has strengths. Right. Yeah. And, and if we as leaders create that culture and foster that culture, rather that everyone at the table, as my dad always says, everybody plays, everybody's Michael Jordan, everybody's yeah. Kareem, everybody's off the bench, very much John yeah. Wood, right? You know, yeah. everybody has is is here to play, meaning that that the, the mindset is is that everyone has a strength, at least one strength or one gift that is going to add to the tapestry, that is going to add to the momentum. And, and calling that out too, being vulnerable enough to say, man, Evan, you, you are, you, you have so many strengths and gifts. And right now uh, we need your strength in, in terms of providing um, dignity or helping us provide dignity for our AU families or, or, or whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, you know, you, 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 you called out a strength for me at, at the very beginning, you know, and, and talking about me as a connector. And, and, and making that ra rather than something that we put in a memo or something that, yeah. that we put in a note and put in a mailbox or, or say it's somebody's going away or retirement party or whatever it may be, right. is, is shifting that mindset that strengths need to be called out relentlessly. And we have to yeah. model that. Um, and, and whether it's social media, whether it's conversation, whether it's podcasting, uh, what, what, whatever, whatever it may be, because folks are hurting. Folks are yeah. not okay. Fol no, they're not. Well, folks are struggling right now, and I and I think I think that imposter syndrome, which which encompasses so many different things, um, is it, man, it, it it it's hurtful. Yeah. Um, but 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 again, I I, I just I, I really believe in strengths based leadership and strengths based calling out or, or or we all have to be and, and instead of reading the Gallup book for strengths finder we we have to be each other's strength finder or 100%. strength finder 100% 100% you 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 touched upon uh as well and I know we talked a lot about this before um we hit record but I but I would love to hear uh and for you to share the the this the story of uh of Forte and and how you you have been given this incredible opportunity to to build something from the ground up in a very organic, dignified, sustainable way. Um, you're, you're you're living a dream right now. Oh man, you 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 have no idea, and, and I really am. And and I, you know, I, I feel blessed every day um, because um, I had an opportunity to come on board early on, and so. Um, Forte Academy, you know, we're here in, in, in Illinois. We are a therapeutic day school, um, and our focus is working with students um, with autism and intellectual disabilities. And, um, you know, my role had always been in the public school, except for the first four years of my career, I was actually working in therapeutic day school settings um, as, a, as a teacher assistant and a crisis interventionist. So kind of come full circle. But, um, you know, I can, I, to be honest with you, you know, I, I became a little uh, disenchanted with the public school system um, based upon um, the student populations in the, in the areas that I, that, I, that I was overseeing because I was as an assistant superintendent director, I saw 
oversaw special services, which meant um, all federal programs. So we're talking special education, Title I, um, McKinney Mental Homeless, um, English Learners for Bilingual Education. Um, also, uh, I oversaw early childhood education. Um, I was overseeing, uh, you know, health services, Section 504 plans. And then I also was overseeing our guidance counselors um, or our social workers, rather, and our school psychologists. Um, you know, so uh, pretty a lot was 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 encompassed with that. But, you know, those areas are always like either underrepresented, right, or those are identified student groups and quote unquote subgroup populations. And, um, you know, as much as there is legislation and, and regs, regulations, it, it, there's still a lot of um, red tape and, and, and politics to navigate to truly be able to implement and do things for those populations that are needed. So, um, you know, when I when I was tapped in for to come on board at Forte Academy, you know, through the founders and um, they told me, you know, what the vision was and what they wanted to do. And and they said, OK, we want you to be the executive director, which would mean that, you know, um, we're starting with one school where our goal is to have multiple schools and you'll be overseeing all those schools. And and but you will have pretty much um, the keys to the kingdom, for lack of a better term. And um, I, you know, felt so blessed because for the first time, you know, in my career, I actually knew I would be the one making decisions and that I would have a lot of autonomy in doing that and having the support behind me, um, you know, um, and, and, and that's what I love about it because, you know, it's been something that I'm sure most educators dream of, whether you're in the classroom or whether you're, or whether you're a leadership, is that, you know, all the things that you've always wanted to do, you have the support to implement, right? As long as they're good for kids, right? And then that, that that was it that that was that those were the boundaries that were put in place for me in the parameters as long as it's good for kids and you can you can demonstrate that that's all that's all that matters so you know we uh we started um and it's coming up our year anniversary on february 20th we started with six students and approximately 12 staff members when we opened up and we looked around at each other on the opening day and was like Okay, we're gonna give it to go. See if see if it works. Um, you know, it's like you know we you know we had a building that we were in and um, it was brand new and it was pretty sterile because it you know it we uh, it was it was actually refurbished to be to fit a model of a school and we could literally hear everyone echo through the building at the time <laughs> and um, and you know working with the founders and the owners they're like okay um, you know. Is this going to work? I'm like, yeah, it's going to work. I said, I said, I know it's going to work. I, we're going to get, we're going to get students. And, um, you know, it was always like every couple months, okay, are you sure we're going to need more students? And um, the original goal was to have um, 20 students um, by the time we started the next school year. So we had a few months we, we ended like the end of June and the goal was by mid August 18th that we would have 20 students. I said, no, we're going to have more. I said, I said, I, I had true less. We're going to have at least 25 um, students. I said, okay, we'll see. We opened up our doors um, August 18th this year. We had 33 students and we have there now 32 staff and we have 40 students on a waiting list um, to get in. And we were just blessed now to, um, to um, open up another building that will probably be ready to go at the end of, end of, end of the school year either, but definitely for the, for the next school year coming up 25, 26, 24, 25 school year. But what's unique, Sean, is that um, what we provide for our, for our program, because, you know, I've heard and I heard from many parents 
um, in many school districts is that, you know, the parents weren't feeling that they were be treated with dignity and respect. The students weren't feeling they were being treated that way. And, and for me, that comes before any and everything else. So, um, you know, I wanted that feeling. That's the culture that I want. I want for everyone to feel that way um, at Forte Academy. That's why I talked about, you know, things being, you know, for us, you know, Forte Academy is, is, a, is a learning space, right? And it's a learning space for us. Um, so it, it has to be safe. So everyone feels safe. And so with that, um, that was our kind of our first way of doing that. But like, you know, just our, our, our configuration, for example, you know, the average SPED class is going to have 10 to 15 students, one teacher, and probably a paraprofessional, maybe two. Um, our classroom sizes um, by design, um, you know, they can fit maybe probably about eight. Um, so we'd cap it off at no more than eight students per one classroom teacher. Um, and then um, for grades first through eighth grade, and then for our older high school students, it would be one, one teacher for six high school students. However, we actually function a lot lower than that. Um, our, our average functioning classroom that, that we have what we operate is six students to one teacher, and then typically um, three to four paraprofessionals in the classroom. So really, on average, we're like, you know, five adults to six students, which, you know, is pretty much one to one and almost unheard of, you know, but but we know that that works best for our student population. Right. They need that individual support. They, 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 they need that and that's what they need to be productive. Um, the other thing that we do is that we also um, have um, two um, BCBAs, board certified behavior, um, board certified behavior analysts that are on board with us. So they're there about three, three times a day, um, three, three, three times a week, if not more. And then um, we also have um, social worker. We have occupational therapist, speech language pathologist as well. Um, we also have um, a deaf and hard of hearing teacher that comes in once a week for a full day and um, teaches American Sign Language to our students and our staff. So that um, one, now we are bringing back dignity and opportunities for our students that are nonverbal to have another mode of communication. And they feel that they're integrated and not only can we communicate with them better, and they can communicate with us, but also now they can interact, right? We're building a foundation for them to interact with their peers because their peers are also learning American Sign Language. So now this is another layer that we do, right? This is not part of the student's IEP. It's not part of their related services. This is just something additional at Forte Academy that we felt that we need to do and that we decided to move forward and do because we knew once again, it's best for kids and best for our student population. Um, you know, the other piece is that um, you know, we also support our families. Um, so we make sure that, you know, we offer um, social work services for our families at no cost, because we understand that, you know, working with um, our students, we know the families are living with their students, their children 24 seven, and that sometimes they need a respite. Sometimes they need someone to talk to. Sometimes they need just an outlet to talk about their needs and what and how, and some of the challenges there. So we offer that to them free of cost, not part of the IEP, but just something that we do in terms of the programming. 
Um, you know, and so we're really working hard to make sure that we structure things. You know, we're not perfect. We still have our road bumps, you know, like we're learning as we're going. And that's, like I said, we're learning. So we're going to get better. Um, and every time we do that, we just look to improve, like, you know, small things like we just um, change all of our lighting. We're going to be changing all of our lighting throughout the building because it's the original lighting from the building. Well, we know that for some of our students, like light has an impact on their behavior and stimuli for our students. So now we're going to go with a softer light that's going to go throughout the building. And then some of the classrooms, they're going to be able to adjust the lighting. So if they need it softer during times, they can as well. Um, the other part is that, you know, I give a lot of autonomy to our classroom teachers, you know, in terms of what they need to do. So for example, like in, in one of our classrooms where they have like first graders who are just turning like six, you know, and they're, and they're young. Okay. A school day is a long time and some of them don't have the uh, stamina for lack of a better term to do a full day. So what we do is, you know, when the classroom teacher says, is it okay if we have like a quiet time and we dim the lights and let the littles, you know, go ahead and like lay down and, you know, we'll, we'll have stuff for them to lay down and like kind of take a nap. I said, yes, of course, of course, why not? Why not? Like we like like whatever is going to work and it's still providing the service and support that they need. Of course, I want them to be ready to learn. If that's what that means, we're going to individualize it for them to be ready to learn. Um, we have students that have flexible schedules um, that maybe come in a little bit later during the day, some that leave earlier during the day. Um, also, you know, unfortunately, when we opened up, we had a lot of students, um, especially in our population, that had been out of school because of COVID. Right. Once they were in once they were no longer in the routine because they're out of school, it was hard for them to reintegrate back into school. So we, when we opened, we had students that were out of school for anywhere from six months to three years. They had not been back in a school building. And we still get some of those students back. And, you know, we've had a lot of success of that reintegration process. Why? Because we focus on the behaviors and the ready to learn skills and partnering with families to make sure the students are ready to come back to school. And what does that look like? So now we talk about, um, you know, proper diet. We talk about getting the right sleep and changing sleeping patterns. You know, we talk about transportation and getting them started. And we just, we work at their pace and get them ready for their students to learn. And that's what we're doing at Forte and, and we've had success. And I, and I told my staff when I, when, you know, this year, when, when we uh, had our, had our opening day was like, for me, the number one indicator for our students is ultimately quality of life for them and their families, right? So when when I have families that are able to come back and tell me, um, thank you so much, Evan, I haven't had a job in like four to five years because um, my child's needs were so great that I had to be home. Now I'm working again. Um you know, telling me that, you know, my child was unable to to have any screen time or watch television. We couldn't watch movies in our house because um, the stimuli of the, of the screen and, you know, and the experiences of being at home during COVID and having to do online learning didn't work and it just set them back. We were actually able to watch a movie with him or her as a family for the first time in three years. Right. Hearing hearing folks say, you know, just so many just stories of how they can go to parties again, how they can go to the store and shop with their child again, because now they're more regulated than they were before. To me, those are the things that are important in the impact that we're making. So I'm just blessed to be um, at Forte Academy and be in a situation I can do those things.
Evan, thank you for sharing that. But most importantly, thank you for making such a positive impact and and changing the world through kind of this series of positive dominoes that are falling on so many good things for families, for teachers, but most importantly for for kids. So I uh, I, I think you are on to something, my friend. And I think you're building a model, man. I think you're I, building, I, I think you're building I, a national model. I, I, I hope so. You know, and the other thing I didn't touch on is that 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 we haven't implemented, but we're, we're, we're like we're in the final stages of of of, of doing that is that we're going to have um, an on site counselor and therapist for our staff as well, um, knowing, you know, that understanding the, the, the importance of overall well-being, mental health and wellness. I know they do it in the corporate world. I've seen models where it works. Haven't seen it in, in the education world yet. Definitely haven't seen it in the public school setting or heard about it, but um, it's always been my vision to do that, to be able to provide that for them because they go through a lot. They have their own stuff at home that they're going through. And they also, you know, we, we have a high pressure, a lot of stress as educators that we go through. And if there's anything I can do to alleviate some of that and give them an opportunity to speak to someone on site during the day. You know, I'm doing I'm doing it. So I said my found the founders and the owners were all they were, they were with it. They they said that's a great idea. And it's something I think, you know, we're we're on the cutting edge and revolutionizing, hopefully the, the way that we look at overall well-being for educators. Agreed. I mean, so often there is a disconnect, I believe, between um, you know, the educational space and then business and industry and corporate world, but but they're all kind of interconnected. They are. And, and and there's a lot of mirrors that, that are within those worlds that reflect back at each other uh, and some bridges that connect. So I I greatly value the idea of having a dedicated on-site, not something off-site or, hey, here's a number, go call. Here is somebody that, that here is a professional, a therapeutic professional that is dedicated to the well-being of the staff, the emotional well-being of the staff. So that that is powerful. And, and, and that is needed. Uh, so I, 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 again, like I said, I think you're on to something in terms of this model that can be replicated or adapted or emulated in, in, in some way that's very human centered and, and, and I think is, is larger than, than really what we're talking about. I, I just see, I just see some great things, uh, happening. S speaking of some great things. And, and I always appreciate when, when guests in the in the pre-interview uh, questions that that I send out because I always have like a music question. <laughs> this is principal liner notes, and so as as we're if we're looking at an album cover, and uh, and Evan Whitehead is on the on the front cover <laughs> uh, at Forte Academy and and doing his three Bs. On the flip side, we have the liner notes. Um, and uh, you you did drop a little bit of music earlier, you know, make making you know dropping the four one one on Mary J Blige and 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 what have you, Kelly Rowland. So uh, I I just have three quick questions in okay. in terms of your your musical soundtrack. So so number one, Evan, what is your favorite all time album? There's a lot, but Sean, I'd have to say um, Purple Rain by Prince. Hmm. Mm. Uh, because there are so many messages in every song, right? On every track of that album. 
of life right and the the you know really the metaphors that you know obviously prince is a genius right writer producer but but the metaphors in terms of the things that he says in explaining life and life challenges and in the reality of what people go through not a fantasy but the ups and the downs right um i just you know i just think about when doves cry right like that like like when i that gives me chills because you know that is just that can be almost like a soundtrack of so many people's lives mm-hmm. right and and just experience because it talks about you know relationship of a of a child to their parents relationship between husband and wife or significant other relationship of of son and father right how how that dynamic, which is not talked about a lot, but like, you know, the, in reality, it's either the son is either trying to be better than the father, right? Or not be anything like the father. And that's a struggle, right? Because of that. And and just, you know, and just understanding. And then obviously, you know, him saying, you know, it's everything is reminding him like when doves are crying, right? So the beauty of of like a dove and being white and, and angelic, but the reality of like, you know, they're still seeing like the daily ups and downs and the pains of life, right? Um, as they're as they're there and witnessing it is just, I mean, he's just a genius, you know, and 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 you know, rest in rest in power to Prince, you know, um, and and just the the magic that that he provided that's timeless, right? I mean, you know, um, for you know, just just spans over decades, still lives on to this day, and and just truly, I just think about that because you know, that's just one of my just one of my favorite albums, just hit after hit, you know, and just I, I mean, everything from from his production to the uh, the way, you know, just the album design, cover design, to um, just the way that he orchestrated the music. And I mean, there was, it was flawless and way ahead of his time yeah. as a perfectionist and a musician. That, that golden age of Prince. And I remember that I was 14 when Purple Rain came out. And I remember, and for me, that album is very much the summer of 1984. Right. The heavy rotation of the videos. Because yep. prior to that, you had you had Prince dropping, you know, uh the millennium in 1999. And that right. album was 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 everywhere. And then you, you had that and then per- wait, it's a movie too. And, right. And, yes. And, wait a minute. Morris Day in the time. Right. And, and, and then and then that goes to around the world in a day. So you had like these kind of like just yes. three themes, themes, 83, 84, 85. And it's just to me, it's it's that golden era of of Prince. I, I put Prince someone as a genius and 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 also and I, and I love your take on it. The man, the man was a philosopher and, yes. and you know, on, on a Socratic level. You know, so so there's some things there that that are deep, but I I will definitely after after I press uh, stop on this, and I and I would I, and I would encourage everyone uh, go find when doves cry, uh, YouTube it, Spotify it, uh, and and listen to that song in the lens that Evan Evan gave us because there there are some powerful truths that he he just dropped there. So, second question: What album or piece of music inspires you 
personally or motivates you or, or gets you going personally? So, um, you know, I am, I am uh, of the generation of the hip hop era. I am a hip hop head, you know, a 100%. You know, I, I, I love, you know, and I am a hip hop head in terms of like the culture, not like rap music, but the culture as rap being one of the elements of hip hop. So some of people may not know that is just a piece of the culture, aside from b-boying, you know, uh, graffiti, you know, also, um, you know, DJing. Right. And then, you know, we also talk about the element of knowledge, which which folks like KRS-One have brought to light, et cetera. But I'm of the hip hop culture. And I have to say that there is nothing like for me, if I'm ever, you know, kind of in a mood, if. I put on Eric B and Rakim. And as soon as Eric B drops the beat and you hear Rakim's voice, yep. and, and and like you talk about a man who was flawless in terms of him and his music and his rhyme scheme and his flow, and a man that never swore. Let me let let me let me be straight. The man never has sworn in any of his lyrics. He never used any profanity at all, which shows that it can be done. And he is a master of words and wordplay and knowledge. And really one of the first um, reasons why I began to understand the importance of knowledge of self is me as a young black boy growing up during the time of hip hop because you know him and his and his and his cultural um and, and his religious beliefs you know really talking about that and that is the self you know i talked really about the self when we were offline is the importance of the self right everything starts and ends with the self um and understand if you know yourself you understand yourself you have the self-awareness right and then it leads on to being a beast to be self-evaluative right and be self-reflective right and then eventually leading into having self-esteem so you can do what you need to do and that's so i said when anytime i can hear some eric being rakim immediately you know when the beat drops and rakim's voice goes is on don't sweat the technique oh man Oh man. oh man i went there man i went there i went you there. did i took us there um i you know last month i visited cleveland ohio for the first time okay. uh, for one reason one reason only that was to visit the rock and roll hall of fame and um i i attempted to do a podcast episode there in the moment um i don't know if i'll release it or not because i was so caught up in the emotion and and, and everything right. But the first thing, the first exhibit I saw there was the the hip hop exhibit, hip hop at fifty, and um, it it is so so powerful, and it brought me back again to just so many things as as a child and and hearing and 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 but but most importantly, and and I think that, that it often gets forgotten in in hip hop music, and you said it the best is the ma the absolute mastery of words and and the and the intelligence the wit the satire i mean it's all it's all of all of the literary terms i used to teach uh as as an as a yes. high English teacher and yep. and 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 then to be taken to such a different level very similar to what shakespeare chaucer did yes. with language and let, let's play with form let's play with function and and let let's mess with it and let's yep. do with with not only soul but but intelligence and wit and innovation. I mean, you you nailed it. You nailed it. So, 
Um, kind of the last, the last, the last question I got, I got for you, Evan, in terms of my three, my three questions is, is what is, what is a lesson from an album or a musician that shapes or influences your profession, your career? You know, I, I would definitely have to say, um, it is, um, what was formerly Boogie Down Productions and also KRS-One and, um, my philosophy, um, his song is is one of my favorites because I think about, you know, that as him being a teacher, a poet, an artist, and he talks about that. Um, but also the strength of he always, you know, uh, talks about him himself, you know, as everything is his first person. So he lets you know what he is and who he is. And then when he goes to the third person, it gets even deeper because now he's letting you know what is going to come before you see him as who he is, he's delivering, right? His, 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 his um, persona and letting you know that he's the teacher, he's the philosopher, all of these things. And I think about that me as an educator, right? Because that's ultimately what it is. We are philosophers, right? Um, we go back to what it is to be a teacher in the very, you know, true sense of a form and, understanding that you know that we have knowledge and we can you can do that you know and krs one is knowledge reigns supreme over everyone plain mm -hmm. and simple so that is you know one of my favorites and then i said my philosophy is probably something always rings true to me in terms of me being an educator you know and 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 and, and i love how you frame that because in education again we we focus on you know curriculum and assessment and data and and those things have a place right and those things have a need uh culture climate again those things have a place and 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 a need but but again kind of another an elephant i wouldn't say it's an elephant maybe but 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 i guess perhaps getting back to your take on learning space we got to create space for philosophy yes that the, the free exchange of ideas, the free and 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 the wrestling with that, um, I, I think the space that we have in podcasts, the space that we have on on social media, I think is a good pathway and is a good foundation for that. But but so often I I, I feel that you know I speak to somebody who has studied philosophy, written about philosophy. I was a philosophy minor in 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 college, but but I I am fascinated. Uh, by those precepts and concepts, but I don't think we do that enough. We don't, we don't give it enough space. It's uh, be quiet or whatever. So I, I love how you are unabashed in your philosophical discourse. So, so keep, keep pushing that. I appreciate it. Keep putting that out there. Like KRS one. I mean, man, I'm I, I, dude, I'm, I'm like back in the eighties right now. I, I'm, I, I had, I had hair, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm having a total old school, flashback in a great way, Evan. Evan, if folks want to follow you and connect with you and engage in the philosophical discourse, how might be how might they be able to do that? Sure. You know, the best way um, is I'm now back onto my original social media home, which is now X was Twitter when I was when I was really on now X. I, I'm back on and, and engaging um, again. And so you can finally find me um, at Evan Whitehead altogether, E-V-A-N. W H I T E H E A D zero zero at Evan Whitehead zero zero. You can find me um, there on X. You can also find me on Instagram at Balance Boundaries and Breaks. 
um, Instagram at Balance Boundaries and Breaks. And then, um, you know, if you search me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Evan Whitehead. And then I will also give folks my email address if they want to reach out to me and, you know, uh, for any type of consultation, any type of like work, speaking engagements, you know, um, trainings, et cetera. Um, you can reach me. Um, uh, my email is Evan Whitehead, altogether, the number 11 at gmail.com. Evan Whitehead, E-V-A-N-W-H-I-T-E-H-E-A-D, the number 11 at gmail.com. Awesome, Evan. And I'll be sure to put all, all that information in uh, in the show notes. And then I would also recommend, and, and, and you can order this book off Amazon or directly from George Kuros. Uh, and, and if you do, uh, be sure to go to page 136 and because of a teacher. There's a lot of great uh, content in, in this book and a lot of mutual friends that we have that have contributed and past guests from the Principal Liner Notes uh, podcast, including Lauren Kaufman, Kaufman and, and Lainey Rowell and, and so on and so forth. But, but be sure to check out uh, Evan's uh, contribution to Because of a Teacher, Finding Ourselves in the Pursuit of a Finding Ourselves in the Pursuit of Improving Our Well-Being. The good doctor, Dr. Evan Whitehead. Evan, you you have illuminated me uh in 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 our uh morning together uh now now afternoon as as we're doing this on a, on a saturday we started off talking at, at at a little bit about 11 and it's going on one o'clock and and i'm so grateful for your gifts your compassion your urgency to to make the world a better place for all human beings so i i am uplifted and i know that our listeners are as well thanks a lot Sean, I appreciate it. Um, peace and blessings, and you'll be well, brother. Thank you, my brother. As I conclude this episode of the Principal Liner Notes podcast, and 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 I do this in in tribute to Evan, and and I and I know that he he would echo this same sentiment. And this is how I typically conclude the episode. But Evan, this is this is going out to you, and this is going out to all listeners. Don't forget to share with the world your dreams your hopes, your visions, your ideas, because the world needs them and you, including you, Evan, help make the world a better place. This is the Principal Liner Notes podcast. This is Sean Gaylord. Thank you very much for tuning in. Looking forward to catching you on the flip side.